Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You are listening to the E2C Network, where the Auburn family speaks. Hello and welcome to War Horses, the only college equestrian podcast that regularly gets contacted by somebody when I don't pick a rider to win her point. I am your host, Auburn Elvis. Let's talk about some college equestrian. Meet Recaps. So the first meet we're going to look at here happened on Thursday and it was SMU at UC Davis. This meet started out uh, big for the Mustangs, and it was never really close. They began with a 5-0 sweep in fences, and they followed that up with a 3-2 victory in horsemanship. Uh, The halftime score was 8-2 for SMU, and it was a bit of a shock just how one-sided this was. UC Davis should really have done a little bit better in fences, because, you know, they have some good riders. And in the second half, it was more of the same. SMU won the flat 3-2, and then they won reigning 3-2 as well, so that meant that the final score was a very impressive 14-6 for SMU. Then, on Friday, the next day, we have uh, Baylor at TCU. So, you might recall Baylor's been moving up the rankings, TCU has been moving down, but it was at TCU, so this would be a chance for the Horned Frogs to maybe get uh, a little bit of redemption here. So in the matchups, I thought this was actually going to be a pretty close one uh, on the day. It started off close. In fences, Baylor won 3-2, which is kind of what we expected. In the second event, uh, reigning, I had each team favored once with three toss-ups. So this really could have gone either way. Well, it went Baylor's way. Big. Uh, The Bears swept reigning 5-0, and that was pretty much the point at which they won the whole meet. Uh, That made the halftime score a whopping 8-2. A big lead, going to be very tough for TCU to come back after that. The next event was on the flat. Uh, this was an event that I had TCU favored uh, in the in the most of the rides. and But even this one, the Frogs kind of got a little bit of a letdown. Baylor won it 4-1, to one, and then the route was just on. But there was still one last event, horsemanship. And in this one, TCU actually kind of showed up. They won it 3-2. Uh, to two. But it wasn't enough, obviously, to to keep them from losing the whole meet, uh, which went to uh, Baylor 14-6. to So a big win for the Bears, and they pretty much showed that they are better than TCU, which has been a point of contention with them for a while now. <laughs> anyway, moving right along, uh, we have another meet here, Oklahoma State at Fresno State. Now, um, this one I thought would kind of be kind of close, maybe. Uh, The meet started off with fences. I favored this one uh, with Oklahoma State would probably get two of the points. Fresno would get two, and there would be, you know, a toss-up there. Uh, The event ended up going three to two for the Cowgirls, so kind of what we expected. In the next event, horsemanship, I favored Oklahoma State in three rides, Fresno State in one, and one toss-up. Again, this went as favored. The Cowgirls got uh, that toss-up as well. So at the half, that meant that the uh, score was 7-3 to three for the Cowgirls. Fresno State tried to make a little bit of a comeback in the second half. They won flat 3-2, to two, and they won reigning 3-1, to one, but they would still just come up a little bit short. Oklahoma State won the whole day 10-9. to nine. So there was a tie in there, and that pretty much proved to be the difference there. So 
This was a little close. And then Oklahoma State would ride against SMU on to the next meet here. Uh, this was a four-on-four meet hosted by Fresno State. And sometimes you'll see that where they'll they'll go down to um, four-on-four to uh, rest the horses a bit. Plus, what they did was they split the meet so that the first two events were on Friday, and then the second two events would be the next day on Saturday. Now, keep in mind that these four-on-four meets, they kind of help the underdog a little bit because if you're a deeper team with a lot more athletes, uh, that you, you don't really get the benefit of that depth and that fifth rider in every event. So that kind of helped SMU out a little bit, I think. So on the flat, uh, each team took two points, and again, we're only talking about four points in these events. Then over in horsemanship, the Mustangs won that three to one. So that meant that SMU had a five to three lead at the half. And this is kind of big because, you know, when I was looking at that matchups for that second half on the next day, a lot of those rides, they were kind of split down the middle. There weren't a bunch that favored Oklahoma State, which would make it very tough for them to catch back up. Plus, when you're down at half in a four-on-four meet, it's a lot harder because you don't have as many, uh, you know, riders out there to get your points because you're only doing four-on-four. Well, sure enough, Saturday rolled around, and once competition got started up again, SMU won fences two to one, and then they won reigning three to one. So that made the final score a whopping ten to five upset for SMU, and that was actually <laughs> a big deal. Not just that it was an upset, but that it was that large. I mean. Bang! Down goes the number one team in the nation, y'all. So, we're still on uh, Saturday here. SMU has to turn right around, calm down, and go right against the host team, uh, Fresno State. As you can imagine, that was a little tough. Uh, The home teams always have an advantage in these. um, And this was basically the story of the day where Fresno State would take a little bit of a lead, SMU would catch back up, and then Fresno State would jump back ahead. And it kind of went like that for the whole day. They ended up, they were tied 5-5 at the half, all right? So this is a point where uh, SMU was caught back up. But then Fresno State, uh, they won fences, let's see, in the first half they won fences 3-2, to two, and then they uh, SMU won horsemanship 3-2, to two, so that's how you got your 5-5. to five. But in the second half, uh, Fresno State won reigning 2-1, to one, and then they won flat 4-1. to one. So that meant that they won the overall meet 11-7. to seven. So all three of those teams beat each other, and, and uh, yeah. This is uh, going to shake up the rankings a little bit, make it kind of hard. Got to break up some of these circular arguments where Team A beats Team B and then Team B beats Team C and C T- Team C beat Team A. So, But we're actually going to talk a little bit more about my rankings philosophy after this quick break. Hey, Auburn fans, I want to take a quick time out from this episode to bring your attention to something very special. Here at the E2C Network, we pride ourselves on bringing you the best content for Auburn fans out there. And best of all, it's free to you. But just because it's free doesn't mean there aren't costs, especially when you have a library of hundreds of podcasts, videos, blogs, and more. Many of you have reached out and asked how you can support this network in the past. Well, now I have your answer. It's called the E2C Network Booster Club over at patreon.com slash E2C Network. There you'll find a membership monthly reward system where you can sign up for as little as $1 and get different perks at different tiers. Some of those perks include things such as apparel, eligibility to join us on future podcasts, recognition as an E2C network booster, exclusive communications, and bonus content that is available nowhere else. If you love this network and want to help us keep producing podcasts like this one, please head on over to patreon.com slash E2C Network to join the E2C Network Booster Club. You can also get there by going to our website, 
e2cnetwork.com slash support. Whether you decide to join or not, we are still so appreciative that you would support us by just listening and being here because each and every one of you is part of our E2C Network family. Well, that's it. Timeout's over. Let's get back into the episode. Rankings and prediction philosophies. So, as I said, this weekend's results created some circular arguments that you can't solve with the transitive property. SMU just beat Oklahoma State, but Oklahoma State beat Baylor and Auburn, and both of those teams have beaten SMU. Also, SMU lost to UT Martin earlier in the year, UT Martin lost to Delaware State, and Delaware State lost to SMU. A lot of this we can just blame on SMU, because if they weren't around, there would be a lot fewer of these circular arguments. Because, uh, boy, the Mustangs, they look like one uh, world beaters in one week, and then they look like kids at a five-cent pony ride the next week. So what do you make of all this? Well, typically what I do is I like to consider each of the teams uh, that are in one of these little circular arguments as um, a part of a group. So I basically move that whole group around in the rankings when I'm when I'm looking to rank these teams. And so what I do then is I move the whole group up or down, And then I start looking within that group and start evaluating the other wins and losses that the teams in the group have. So I don't even count the ones to each other that make up the circular argument. I just look at all the other stuff. So when I do that, um, I do need to mention, sometimes you get a team like SMU who's part of two groups. And so then what I do is I take the one group that tends to have the better teams, I stick them up at the top. I take the group that doesn't have the better teams and stick them near the bottom. And then a team like SMU I take out of both of those groups and I just put them somewhere in the middle. And then every team that isn't in one of these circular argument groups, I just start plugging the holes and filling in all around based on what their overall resumes look like. That's kind of how I build the official Auburn Elvis College Equestrian Rankings that will come out on Wednesday. So when you see those, uh, you'll see that I do have a group of like Oklahoma State, Auburn, and Baylor kind of up at the top. I have a group that has uh, Delaware State, UT Martin. They're down near the bottom. And SMU is somewhere in between those groups. Uh, and then, you know, like I said, all those other teams like Georgia, Baylor, Texas a that I just stick them in uh, wherever there's, there's empty spots. <laughs> Now that I've talked about that, I also want to talk about the philosophy that I use when I favor these head-to-head matchups in a meet. And I bring this up because it is, it's becoming sort of a tradition for riders to contact me on social media and point out occasions when I did not favor them to win their point, but they did in fact win that point. And recently, parents of these riders have been getting in on that too, <laughs> which is fine. I get it. I don't mind anybody doing that. It's kind of fun. That's great. But I do want to explain how I arrive at the picks in these matchups, okay? I'm not judging you as a rider, or I'm, and I'm not, certainly not just picking riders that I like or anything like that. What I do is, I have this great big multi-page spreadsheet that lists everybody's matchups that they have ridden this year and last year. And so what I do, when the lineups get posted for these meets, I go through and I look at each rider and I compare how they've done overall to how well her opponent has done overall. So if it's a case where you've got like rider A, she wins like 75% of her rides and her opponent only wins about 50%, well then I'm probably going to favor you know rider A because she wins 75% of her time, regardless of who she is. Now if rider A only wins about 60 and rider B wins about 50 or 55%, Well, then that one is so close that I usually just call that one a toss-up. And sometimes I will break a toss-up by looking at whether these two riders have ridden against each other in the past. 
And then if so, I might break that tie with, you know, whoever won that last time. So that's how I do it. So if it happens that I favor your opponent instead of you, um, and you end up getting that point, well, then that means that, you know, you just beat a girl who typically wins more than you do. And that's a good job, you know? You should be excited about that because you got a point you weren't favored to get and you beat a girl that has won more than you have. So that is a really big deal. The Meat Previews. So now let's look at the coming week's action and see how we think these are going to go. If you are a fan of any of the following teams, you need to wake up and pay attention. Bridgewater College, Sweetbriar, Texas A&M, UT Martin, Lynchburg, Sacred Heart, South Carolina, and Georgia. All right, so on Friday, we have the first of some three-team meets where we've got three teams all competing against one another. We've got Bridgewater at Sweetbriar. Bridgewater College is going to get back in the saddle again um, against perennial number one Sweetbriar. We last saw the Golden Eagles uh, back, way back in September. They lost 3-5 to five to Lynchburg in a jump and seat only meet. So, unless they were totally sandbagging on that one, I expect them to probably fall to Sweetbriar. Uh, Sweet Bridgewater might get a few points uh, against the Vixens, but probably not more than two or three. So we have another meet uh, over in Martin, Tennessee. We have Texas A&M squaring off against UT Martin. I think the Aggies probably won't look as sharp on the road as they did at home against Georgia, um, but they will probably take the close win against the Skyhawks. Then we have Lynchburg riding against UT Martin in a jumping seat only meet. Now, I think Lynchburg will keep this one close. I kinda, I'm going to go ahead and pick UT Martin to win it, but I think it will be a very close victory in the end. Now we're going to jump on over to Saturday. We're going to see Sacred Heart ride against Sweetbriar. Now, the Pioneers rode really well in a couple of, week, uh, couple of meets way, way back against uh, SUNY New Paltz in Delaware State in September, but it's probably asking too much for them to knock off Sweetbriar. So again, I think the Vixens are going to win by at least a couple of points here. The next one we have uh, is uh, Sacred Heart. They're going to ride against Bridgewater College, and this one should be very exciting. Right now, I have Bridgewater ranked just below Sacred Heart in the rankings, but we could see an upset here, um, and I kind of expect a close meet regardless of who ends up winning. Now, back on over to Tennessee, we have Texas A&M riding against Lynchburg in a jumping seat only meet. I think Lynchburg will actually keep this one pretty close. Um, I think the Aggies will win, but I think it'll be closer than you expect. Then, we head into the final meet of the weekend, South Carolina at Georgia. Now, <sighs> the Gamecocks are winless so far this season. Uh, you'll remember that they started off with a very brutal road trip out to California, and it did not go well at all for the Gamecocks. Went well for everybody else. Um, the Gamecocks did look very strong at Auburn last week, but as you can probably tell from my voice inflection, I am not holding out too much hope for them against Georgia. Now, Georgia has been vulnerable on the road, but this is a home meet, so I think they're going to beat South Carolina, and it might be easy. So, we'll see. Stranger things have happened, but I would not bet the farm on a Gamecocks upset. So, there you go. It's time for Closing Thoughts. Now, if you've been following any of these teams on social media, you might have noticed that about half of them were bragging about where they were ranked this last week. Well, that is because the NCEA finally released their second set of rankings this year. 
Longtime listeners will recall that uh, the NCA rankings are an ongoing windmill at which I repeatedly till, so it was nice to see that I was successful in shaming them into releasing a new set of rankings before the winter break, because from what I had heard, the plan was to only release the preseason and then not rank anybody again until the break. Well, I think Oklahoma State's upset of Auburn made the preseason rankings so laughably out of date that I bet the Cowgirls and maybe some other teams started complaining and it got the league to do some rankings. So, uh, and, and actually when you look at these rankings, they were actually pretty good. Um, they ranked TCU too highly, which I think we saw that was a mistake this weekend. Um, but they got most of it, uh, everything else pretty, pretty good, pretty right. They had Texas A&M in a better position than I did. I'll go ahead and admit that. I'll give them credit for that. They really, they ranked the Aggies better than I did this past week, and I'm going to make some corrections in mind to uh, make up for that. So I do want to say that, you know, the NCAA, this is not just a one-time thing. you got to keep this up uh, and keep releasing these every week. You can't just put out rankings every month and a half. you got to stick with it or else there's no point. When you look at that SMU-Oklahoma State upset that just happened, Until the NCAA updated their rankings, that would have been a meet between number three SMU and number four Oklahoma State. And so it wouldn't have even been an upset. But when they updated the rankings, it became a meet between number seven SMU and number one Oklahoma State. So that really shows what a big upset it was. And that's why I get so caught up in all of this. The rankings really provide a context for these meets. And if you're not taking them seriously, like the NCAA was not for five weeks, then the context of these teams winning and losing gets lost, especially on the casual fans who don't know an Aggie from a Skyhawk in this sport. So I guess if the NCAA goes another week without making some rankings, then maybe some of you good folks might want to send them a little message online and ask for those new rankings, because we got to keep these folks on their toes. Well, I think that's going to do it for this episode of War Horses. Make sure you follow me on Twitter and Instagram for meet matchup breakdowns and to read some parents informing me of how well their daughters did. I'm your host, Auburn Elvis. Thank you very much for listening. War Horses, y'all. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode on the E2C Network. On your way out, I want to remind you to stop by E2Cnetwork.com. It's your one-stop shop for all our content across our podcast, YouTube channel, and much more. To stay up to date with us, make sure you're following social media accounts such as Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. While our content here may always be Auburn sports heavy, if it's orange and blue, it's what we do. War Eagle.